Welcome to Inside Your County Government, where we take you on the inside to see the people, events, in and around county government that shape your Charles County. I'm your host, Brent Huber. Nothing but audio treats here in this special Halloween edition. We're talking about the paranormal and hauntings in some of the county's more famous landmarks with Patrick and Emily Burke of Spark. Stay with us. Okay, before we start, this was a strange podcast to record. First, prior to the recording, we had a microphone suddenly fail, like completely not working, check everything, switch in a different kind of mic fail. And by the way, it's working perfectly fine now. Second, during the recording, I experienced something unusual, and I had a chance to talk with Emily again about this. Now, you're going to meet her soon, but well, just just listen to this. Ask you this question. Okay. When we were recording the podcast. Mm-hmm. Was there a presence in the room? So, and there's a reason why I'm asking this. Okay, so the answer would be yes. Um, when my dad was speaking about Samantha, uh, we were talking uh, about the girl's voice from Port Tobacco. That was the first time he'd encountered her. She stepped in, which is really common. And there was definitely energy in the room. For me, Samantha was the one that I, I know. In a building like this, an old building that served a lot of different functions, it would not be uncommon for me to walk down the hall and see something just kind of passing. I probably wouldn't think twice about it. So there was something there. And at the end of the podcast, stick around and you'll hear a little bit more of what Emily had to say to me and what I felt while we were making this recording. Joining me right now are Patrick and Emily Burke from Spark. And I'm going to throw this right out and start. Patrick, what is it that you do? Uh, we're a uh, paranormal, we call them paranormal ventures, uh, spiritual counseling or spiritual solutions, solutions yeah. that we, uh, that we um, look to resolve haunting issues. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's actually not resolving for the people living. It's resolving for the people that have passed on. Oh, wow. Right. So we, call, we refer to them as lost souls. They haven't crossed over to God's grace. They haven't crossed over to Nirvana, whatever you want to call it. They're still earthbound. So we can call it into someone's house, or we can get invited to a historical site, you know, something like that. But that's more of the spiritual solution side. And also classes, right. those kinds of things. We do a we lot do of training. To help train people. But we do the paranormal investigation as well. What got you started in all this? I'm a sensitive, so I've been in the paranormal my whole life. Uh, uh, I grew up in a house that was haunted by a man who committed suicide. So, was, you know, from two years on up until I joined the military, there was always activity, things happening. A lot of different things mm-hmm. through my youth led me to start studying the paranormal when I was about 12, 13. And I've just been studying it ever since, trying to get an understanding, including theology, all aspects of anything that's spiritual. Oh, wow. I, um, didn't, I didn't get a choice. You didn't get a no, choice? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she really didn't get a choice. But we did grow up around it. But he was very careful. We weren't allowed to go on the battlefield until we were 13. And right. we had to understand the rules and how to behave and all of those kinds of things. Right. But it's always felt natural because the same mm-hmm. thing, even from when I was little. Our house, um, when we were in Charles County, it wasn't necessarily haunted, but there were always things around. And so I started seeing things from a young age, too. So you've been involved with this since... Day one. <laughs> well, I started, yeah, I mean, because when I was little, I started saying I was seeing things. Mm-hmm. You know, little enough to not really understand what it was. But right. I would start talking about his mom, who passed away, what, two years before 
I was born. Uh, um, yeah, roughly. Two years yeah. before I was born, she passed away, and I would start talking about her and like using her name and saying I was seeing her, and then went on the battlefields when I was thirteen and have just grown more into my ability since then and it's something i've wanted to do it's never something he's pushed us to do mm-hmm. but he, and if it out. is something we're going to do he was adamant that we'd be trained properly because there are things we encounter that are intense and so being trained properly is very important it's want- critical in what you do if you're in paranormal investigations you have to know how to protect yourself and protect those around you because you know um spirits you know it, my brother John, who's passed away now, but you know, he always said they're just people walking in a different light. We're going to turn our attention now to some of the investigations done in and around the Port Tobacco area, including some EVP, which is electronic voice phenomena. And you're going to hear some of those recordings. You should also check out the Stories of the Historic District podcast with Kate Taylor to get an inside look at some of the other stories and legends that surround our historical district. All right. Now back to Port Tobacco. As you pull in in front of the old, I guess it would have been the... The the courthouse. The courthouse, right, the courthouse. I've been in there, and there's definitely energy in there. And I've been all around there. they got a little cemetery to the left. I've got Mm -hmm. EVP there. Uh, The field to the left is very active with um, not just uh, colonial period people, but uh, Native American presence there, too. And on the back side of the uh, the courthouse, there's a lot of Native American presence. So it's pretty active. It's it's an area. Even the schoolhouse. Um, when I was first doing um, EVP, which is electronic voice phenomena, mm-hmm. I was walking around the schoolhouse. And one thing that I that we teach is in EVP sessions. There's the, the term session. It obviously implies that you're asking a question. You're hoping to get a reply. Mm-hmm. But um. So anyways, in the, in that area down there around the schoolhouse, I was just talking normal. And as I'm talking, I play back the, the tape. You hear a shh, 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 because I'm near the schoolhouse. And I'm talking loud. And they're like, hey, man, this is a schoolhouse. You need to keep it down. <laughs> so, you know, things like that. Uh, I would say that the the level of EVP there, they, and they kind of grade it from a, like an A, really good EVP, down mm-hmm. to like a C or D. It's graded. They're probably A's. Wow. When me and my friend from Florida who visited, I took him down there, Harry Weaver. Um, we were just talking. I have an EVP of it. And we were just talking about a couple of people that were buried right in that little, I think it's three or four graves right there mm-hmm. to the left of the courthouse. And it was um, some guy named Tilford and another lady, Betsy Salton. The man had died in 62, 1862. The lady was 1865. We were just talking about how the um, Union really oppressed Charles County. You know, it was a haven of Confederate sympathizers. And it was pretty rough for five years there, and including afterwards. But uh, I had said, you know, what would they tell us right now? What would they say if we could hear them? And then when the EVPs plays back, you hear me and Harry talking. This is another one. Yeah. There's another one, yeah. Right there, Thomas Tilford. 1852, yeah, he was. And then you hear a man say, never mind. And a woman say, we hear you. But her accent is very you can tell it's Southern Maryland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can hear her accent in it. So that, that's what we would call an A-quality EVP. Uh, we've got some various videos and photos of different levels of paranormal, but it's active. You could go down there on any given day and probably have activity 
if you're aware of it and you want to find it. And the it. other instance you have down there is Samantha's was the little girl that drowned there. Yeah, tell and, us about that. Yeah, she wasn't um, buried there, but she did drown there, and he was <laughs> banging his recorder <laughs> because that is how he still is with technology. <laughs> and you hear a bang on the recorder, and then you hear a, a little girl. And it, this was the same night as the EVP he was just talking about. So it was just him and two other men. men. So it was Harry and John. Um, you hear a bang, and then you hear a little girl go, Daddy? Essentially what happened was this little girl drowned there, and something about him, which just happens often. There are spirits, and they something about a living person reminds them of someone they knew in their physical life. And something about him reminded her of her father, so she kind of was calling out to him. Um, he helped cross her over, and like we said, Shannon and I have actually seen her um, since then because she'll come back to check on him. She kind of, I guess, watches over him now as being grateful for him helping her. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about crossing over and what it means to be sensitive. The podcast you're listening to is part of Charles County Unscripted. Charles County Unscripted is your place for news, stories, and information from all areas of county government. To find more great podcasts, visit us at charlescountymd.gov slash podcast. Or find us on Apple Podcasts under Charles County Government. What, did, what do you mean by crossing over? Yeah, so like he was saying, if that's like going to God's grace or to the light okay. or nirvana or like whatever you want to refer to the other side as, there's – so we die and then there's – you know, we're kind of in like a transition phase. And for us to go to what we normally just refer to like because it encompasses a lot is the light. Mm-hmm. Um that is the idea of a soul crossing right. over so that they'll be at, at peace. Your approach to this, I was, I was reading on your website in the blog, and your approach to this is as scientific as you can be but somewhat skeptical. Am I right? Because you, you've talked about something called matrixing. Can, can you explain what that is and, and kind of put this all into some, uh, some context? Yeah, yeah. I think between Emily and I, we could actually probably nail this for everybody in the world. Yeah, because um, she's a genius, and my father was a genius. Apparently, it skipped generations, but I don't think so. yeah, you don't think so. Appreciate that. Um, so, matrixing is your mind playing tricks on you. Mm-hmm. You see something that you want to see, you hear something that you want to see, and or hear, and uh, <laughs> or you can hear. I, I hear and see. Um, but uh, so the matrixing is is a double edged sword because sometimes. It's it's a it's, let's say it's a night shot in the infrared format and, and you use not a video camera but you're using the st- still camera format. And you're taking pictures. That bunch of bushes and leaves for you could look like a face. Right. So you got to be very careful that you don't matrix because honestly, everything that we do, ninety nine percent, is not paranormal. Mm-hmm. So the skepticism for me is. I have to disprove that it's paranormal to prove that it's paranormal. So every time I look at evidence, every time I go into something, is this explainable? And that's the way I've trained both Emily and Shannon and everybody we work with. And you do a lot of research on the front side and on the back side after having an experience to Mm -hmm. confirm or non-confirm, correct? Part of that research as well is also keeping certain people in the dark. Wow. So that's a that's a way of validating. So often mm-hmm. I don't research. 
I don't know all the details of the place or the people, all the historical details, everything like that. We call it going cold. Yeah. Going cold. Going in cold, yeah. So often myself or any other medium that's functioning will go in cold because if I know that so-and-so is here on these dates and that they died in this time, how on earth are you going to believe me? If yeah, I say it's it hard to validate that. Yeah, you call yourself a, a sensitive. Right. So what does that mean and, and, and how does that play into – what it is that you do. Right. Okay, so I'm a sensitive and I function in our team as an investigative medium. So the idea of being a sensitive is just that you have some level of ability to communicate with spirit. So it might be that you hear or that you feel or sense or that you see. Um, It might be emotional. Uh, It may just be an impression so, like, maybe you don't hear words, but you're like, I I am sensing that someone felt this way or that they would have said yes or they would have said no. Um, for me, the reason I normally go past sensitive into investigative medium is because I hear, see, and feel, sense, and, and do that in full senses. A discussion of paranormal activity in Charles County is not complete without talking about the Mud House. First, a little bit of history for those that may not be familiar. During the Civil War, Samuel A. Mudd was a surgeon and a tobacco farmer in Charles County, which at that time was a hotbed of Confederate sympathy. He was 31 years old. Mudd and his wife Sarah had four young children in a brand new house when John Wilkes Booth, on the run after assassinating Abraham Lincoln, came to his farm needing medical help in the early morning hours of April 15, 1865. Though Mudd proclaimed his innocence in the assassination plot, testimony during his trial for conspiracy revealed that he had met Booth at least once prior to the murder and setting Booth's broken leg did him no favors. His fate sealed, Mudd received a life sentence in federal prison. If you'd like to read more about that, check out smithsonianmag.com. Just search on Samuel Mudd because that's where we got this. All right. Back to the podcast. That's a hotbed here in Charles County. Yeah, I think. we investigate Dr. Mudd's a lot. We're doing it twice this month. Um, we have brought what, hundreds of people through there. You were saying you were at the 150th. Yes. We took people, um, including like groups of those who were old enough through, with the Boy Scouts. 20 at a time. Yeah. yeah. Through the house and then the grounds. The At Dr. Mudd's, there are two. Um, Two slaves who we normally get a lot of inter- interaction with, Melvina, who is the older one, and Mary, who is the younger one. And uh, Melvina, so there's uh, the Mud family lost the child when he was very young. It was Henry, right? H- Henry Mud, eight months old. Um, and so. So the, the story is let me relate this part of the story for you. The story is that one of the slaves, they didn't know who was holding Henry on the rail. And she, someone said something, she turned, he fell, broke his neck. Oh, wow. Right? And so instead of reporting it, they buried Henry quietly on the property. That also, and, and the reason, that the, 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 um, the logic for it, if you want to call it logic, was that slaves back then cost a lot of money. And if you had to report that, that slave would have been executed because they killed a woman. A, 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 White Excellent. child or yeah. whatever, you know, the classification would have been. So um, so they just quietly buried Henry. 
So that's that's um that's kind of the why it wasn't reported. Right. What the I don't know if rumor is the right word, but kind of the lore around mm-hmm. what really happened to Henry was um, he actually had uh, the medium, uh, a medium. Yeah, we we can say um, their names, right? Yeah, if if it's if it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they, so, they so went Terry, with Terry, Terry um, She's from New Jersey. Jersey, not New York. <laughs> I will not mix it up. Um, <laughs> she's from New Jersey, and um, she actually located where Henry was buried. And we have had people. So there's the there's children that are active in the house in the children's room, but outside, no one ever gets interaction with children except we have some people saying they hear cries. Oh wow! So usually, that, usually on the fence side, which. I don't think that – I think the front side is actually the back of the house. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think the porch like side is the front. what you drive up to. It's actually up to. the back of the house. Yeah, yeah that's right. what I always thought when we were there because yeah. it made much more sense the way that house was – Situated. Situated right. to, to right. look and at the like front. And there's like a porch on the other side. Yeah. Right. So yeah. that fence would have been on that back, back, back side as you right. approach. And that's where right. they usually hear the crying. In fact, that's where, where hear, Terry first heard it. That's what I've heard crying and mm-hmm. I heard it on that side as well. I haven't heard of anyone say that it's always along the fence line in the back. I've not heard anyone. Okay, we've always called baby crying on the uh, double blind ghost box. Yes, on that. On that, the, on that someone with headphones on has said multiple times, "I hear a baby crying." Right. Oh wow! So, yeah, so what happened was we had a priest there, and it was actually very good that we did at this time because it was Mel- Melvina, who's the older um, woman, and she had not crossed over, and she was telling us that. She didn't feel like she deserved forgiveness. And she, basically, after I was having a conversation a with her, but she mm-hmm. felt like she was responsible for Henry's death because it was her job to watch him, and essentially she let him fall. So that was one of the instances when having someone who... Because um, back then, I mean, that would have been a very big deal mm-hmm. um, for to have a priest there and to have a priest say, you're forgiven. I mean... We've had that in many instances where having a priest present or someone that is ordained in some way has meant a lot to energies who are alive in a time period where almost everyone was Catholic, almost everyone was religious. Um, That meant so much. So anyway, we were able to help her cross cross over. But that was just, it just made me think of that as one of the instances where... um, faith came into play and mm-hmm. whether that or not that's something that anyone else believed it helped her right to find peace and it was also right. interesting because we were able to confirm a story um about yeah, terry, what had happened right terry was able to actually locate where the baby was buried and under the water heater oh wow in the office now when you go there and you think well why did they bury it on a water heater okay let's step back to 18 I guess it would have been 50, it was 60, probably 61 probably. 60s or early 60s. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when Henry was born, mm-hmm. but he's only eight months old. So that area where the office is out, that's now kind of built out in the closet, it wasn't there. Right. And the kitchen that's part of that now, well, that was just like in the old days. The kitchen was always separate of the house because fires. Right. So that whole wing and everything really wasn't there. So they buried him in an area near the house. So you know, she was she was accurate enough for me, and I've I've worked with her and tested her on locating graves and in, in various other areas um, that I know her accuracy is pretty so there's, much spot there's, on. There's proof in the physical world of this having. They want to move the water heater, and they could excavate wow. down. Wow! Yeah. Wow! And then you've involved is okay. Well, if you want to prove there's life after death, you need hard evidence. Mm-hmm. 
so what's hard evidence? Audio, video, stills. Mm-hmm. So I have a picture of Nellie Mudd in the attic. Full picture. You can see the color the of, of her hair. The attic is the third story up. So it's third story up. When you look at the picture, uh, and I put it out in my presentations, you'll notice that she's behind the window. She's outside 30 feet in the, the air. Over, the bar breaks up the Breaks apparition. up the whole apparition. But it's a full body apparition. Is She's like just looking right at me. It's so clear that we have had people say, people who just look at the picture, we don't tell them who it is, that's Nellie Mudd because they're their photographs and then we've had people be able to describe what type of dress right. she's we've we've had two or three different female reenactors say she's wearing a night dress yeah like something when I first, she would not wear out of the house because right. of the cut of the right. dress. when i first mm-hmm. saw it i looked at the cut i said that's a bit risque back then isn't it i mean i don't know 1860 whatever maybe right. 70s but that that's a little daring and, and actually it was the uh anniversary 150th no it was the uh 350, whatever anniversary it was for Charles County, they had me come there and do a presentation. So I was doing the presentation, and I had that up there, and they had a bunch of live history. So uh, I don't know if it was you or somebody else or Gene. Anyway, someone grabbed one of the ladies, brought her over, and I happened to mention, that's a bit risque. She goes, no, that's a night dress. That's, that's for you're at night, you get ready to go yeah, to so the bed. She wouldn't have worn it out of the And house. then she pointed out, see that dark area? That's her shawl. So if somebody did come knock on the door, shawl would go up to cover respectfully. It's like, oh, all right. Well, I guess that makes sense then. The point of that is is that that's how clear the the apparition is. But, I mean, that's the kind of things we try to – that's why you're saying we approach it with skepticism Mm -hmm. is because that's the kind of evidence we want. We want something that is – people are like, wow. We We don't want something that people are like, oh, like maybe, you know, because – we feel the same way. Like we don't want to prove anything. We want to disprove to prove. Right. 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 So there, there's other apparitions. We just as a shout of the back side of uh, Andrew Mudd's son in the booth room in a position where he's looking down where Booth would have been laying when he first got his leg fixed. Right. Which Dr. Mudd told the kids, don't go in there and bother the patient. But he was the oldest. But, and as the oldest, but, you get. I'm also but, the oldest. But, you know, I was the oldest. Special privileges. As a, as a teen? Yeah, dad said, don't do that. Maybe I'm going to go do that, you know. Uh, we have a shot of uh, Ed Spangler looking out of the attic window, backside. So there, there's, there's Dr. Mudd's house hardcore very, evidence here. It's, it's very, very active. active. It's very active. It's this, one of the most active places within Charles County. Probably. Yeah, this, this whole county is really kind of active with the entire Lincoln assassination and mm-hmm. the escape. I mean, it. It happened here. <laughs> right. And they went all the way down to uh, Port Tobacco mm-hmm. looking for Booth and David Harold. They went to Chapel Point looking for him. I mean, they, they had him everywhere. Now, you have something coming up at the Mud House. We do. We're doing it as our Halloween event. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, it's the 27th of October, and it's on our website. It's called All Hallows Eve at Dr. Mud's. Find your spark, S P A R C dot com. That's our website. We're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. It's on. It's in the store. It's on the events page. Um, we're going to be posting um, a blog about it coming up because we're actually using some new techniques. We got some new items that have been in and around Charles County or owned by people in Charles County that have some pretty, pretty interesting history and some pretty intense attachments. So we're really excited. It's going to be cool. going to be cool. Very cool. Yeah. Part of what we do is. Uh a little bit of classwork for people that never gone on an investigation, and then we kind of break it out. So this is a little unique. 
we're, we've limited the number of people. So there's only two time frames on, on the state. It's only 10 people for each time frame. But I need that. I need that because we're going to do some interesting new things that um, we, we like to experiment mm-hmm. and try new, new methods of communications. So we're going to be doing that. And within the, the structure of it, those people that want to get what we call an aura read, we'll have, like Emily does a lot of the aura reads or Shannon. I don't do as many aura reads because that's beneath me. No, I'm just um, they're, they're, they're really oh good. My. Yeah, oh, my. They're, really, they're, they're really good. So, so the people that are really good at different things, you, you use them where they're best at. Exactly. And Emily, Emily's the best at doing the war reads. But some people will get that opportunity. Uh, we're going to do, for the first time, a group read within the house. Mm-hmm. And that's always interesting because there's sometimes where we bring people in investigations and we're trying to communicate to Frankie, Dr. Mudd's wife, or Dr. Mudd, or John Wilkes, or anybody who, any other energies. Because there's, there's docents there that, has, that are also haunting the place that, you know, from 19th century, 20th century. Right? They led groups one of them's kind of mean. very attached to the One of them's kind of mean, but, you know, we deal with that. <laughs> um, so sometimes we're in the middle of investigation and a, a, a relative that's crossed over comes to talk about one of the people. That has happened before. So we decided, well, why don't we do a group read in the house and see what happens. So we're going to do a couple other different things too. It'll be pretty exciting. And then there's thing we call uh, psychometry. And psychometry is basically the ability to read an object that's been in like a family for a long time or been – associated with something traumatic Mm -hmm. and uh, everybody leaves a bit of their energy everywhere. So let's say it's the family Bible and it's been the family for 200 years. We can go ahead and we can focus and take that and we can start getting information about that person and that family. So we'll have some of those objects, a few that have come from uh, civil war battlefields that people, if they want to try to see if they can open up and get a read that they can do that. Very cool. Yeah. And if they want to find, if anybody wants to find out about it, the website again, and I will put this in the little show notes in the description. What is it again? Find Your Spark, S P A R C. Findyourspark.com. Yep. All right, Patrick, Emily, it has been extremely fascinating, very eye opening. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. you. Thanks for having us. Hope to see you on the 27th. <laughs> About five minutes, maybe eight at the most, into the podcast, Mm -hmm. I felt my heart rate quicken, and I felt this strange feeling. And the best way I can describe it Mm -hmm. was you've reached the first hill of a roller coaster, and the clickety-clack has stopped. Okay. And you're having that anticipation feeling. Right, like the adrenaline. Yeah, but there was no emotional context to it. And I was going back and forth in my head, like... Dude, just stay focused. Right. You know, st- <laughs> no. And then at one point, it looked as if you looked behind me several times. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Do I stop? What do I do? And then it was, honestly, it took every bit of effort for me to focus okay. to get through the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I came back into the room mm-hmm. and I felt physically agitated mm-hmm. but not emotionally agitated but I was so tired when it was done right was I experiencing something so the just the funniest thing that stands out to me is we get extremely exhausted whenever we do anything I mean it's draining because we talk about like batteries dying and everything like that but energies need energy just energy in any form for them to communicate so they'll pull it off us so that happens like feeling exhausted um and there was definitely energy in the room. For me, Samantha was the one 
that I, I know. Sometimes I don't even, like, if I see something, it's normal, which I know sounds weird, <laughs> but it's not like, oh, hey, there's, there's something there. It's mm -hmm. just like, in a building like this, an old building that's served a lot of different functions, it would not be uncommon for me to walk down the hall and see something just kind of passing. I probably wouldn't think twice about it. Um, so if there was energy moving around that room, which there definitely was, I might not have pinpointed any one specific energy because no one um, necessarily came forward. But there was definitely movement. And there was definitely Samantha in the room who was moving around on that side of the room. I think that what you're describing sounds like what people describe when they have an experience. So when we take people to Dr. Muds, for instance, they're often... Um, like uh, physical physical feelings that they can't explain so like you were saying agitation like didn't seem to come from anywhere you had no reason to feel agitated but you're just like or like fidgety people feel like that or tingly sometimes well that's what it was it was and and when I started really thinking about it the initial feeling that I felt was walking into a room and seeing somebody that was very important to you mm -hmm. that you haven't seen for years or maybe thought you would never seen and that kind of tingliness that you would feel mm -hmm. but there was absolutely no emotional context and my brain is going dude what's going on right like <laughs> why am I feeling this way yeah absolutely so I would say yeah it's actually really cool that you had an experience because that tells me that in some capacity you're a natural sensitive so I'm not insane no I don't think so